Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, and we are here on a Tuesday afternoon. Thank God. Uh, let's see if we can get through about 45 minutes today without my internet crapping out. It has been a struggle, y'all. The struggle has been real, but I am I am happy to be here live. I enjoy doing these shows. I enjoy getting to spend time with my boy SP3. Feels like we've been on like hiatus for like two damn weeks. Just a little sprinkling of us in and out. But we're here. We're 11 days out from SummerSlam. Does it feel like we're 11 days out from SummerSlam? Like, I'm putting together the rundown for the show this morning, and I'm going, like, I'm, I'm getting, like, serious. They are just using SummerSlam to sell SummerSlam vibes out of this whole entire build. Like, F it. We don't have to try. It's SummerSlam. It sells itself, which is the absolute worst mentality you want, right? It's yeah. your biggest show, your second, third, depending on which debate you want to have. It's one of your top three shows of the year. You should be going balls to the wall to make this damn thing special. And they've done such a piss poor job, SP3, of booking this damn thing that even they themselves are reportedly pissed about it. This is where we are at now. It, it, it's, it takes someone very inept at what they do to be bothered by the job they've done putting together something. That's like, that's, yo, like, that's like the creators of the bus looking at the bus and being like, you know what? We could have done better. We could have done better. We could have got more people on this. Oh my God. I can't believe that report. That report is the definition of being bad at what you do. At this point, but TV like, 14, TV 14 is going to save everything. Remember, <laughs> we'll talk about TV 14. Yes, we'll talk about another world title match that has been set for SummerSlam in 11 days. We'll talk about a myriad of title changes that happened last night. Why on God's green earth was Titus O'Neil out there? And Ric Flair's final match has been set. Oh, yeah. And by the way, before I forget to bring it up major AEW return in the works. Finally, something SP3 can smile about, can get excited about, can get happy about. First things first, got to thank our partners. Over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Get the latest odds, news, developments, including Major League Baseball, uh, fighting news, next season's early NFL futures, training camp right around the corner. Bet Online has opened up the odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Bet it all on Cincinnati, baby. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get that bonus and get into the action. That is spelled B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I want to make SP3 wait a little bit because I just want to kind of rant and rave about this. Uh, Wrestle votes, uh, very reliable Twitter account has has broken news before in the past, has been proven accurate in the past. Putting out a a tweet today. Hang on, let me uh, pull it up. As you can tell, I'm I'm very uh, well 
prepared for today's show. As my internet decides to work here. Yes. So WrestleVotes putting out this tweet uh, about an hour ago. In the most WWE of ways, I had a source tell me this morning, they really don't like the SummerSlam card. They being the people who put it together. And then he closed it out, or she, because I, I don't know, frankly, by saying, um, what? Question mark, exclamation point. SP3, when you hear a report that WWE is pissed off about the card that they have put together, I guess that means that they at least care right because that's always been my question is do they actually give a shit about more than like three people or four or five people in this company or are they just bad at what they do if they're not happy with how the card is shaken out i guess that means they're just bad at what they do right or what what does this scream out to you more than anything uh this screams out that they are bad at their job um yeah, and I think Hypnosis Bro put it the best here in the chat. SummerSlam feels like backlash. You're getting a whole bunch of WrestleMania rematches, Money in the Bank rematches, and they haven't even tried to add anything new. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns is the same feud that we got at WrestleMania with one angle that they've done between the two, and that was Brock Lesnar returning in this match being created. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair feels like a retread, but it's getting it's getting by, and people are somewhat excited to see that because they had a fantastic match at WrestleMania. Similar point to Usos and Street Profits. They haven't done jack, jack crap with that, except for just getting people hyped because they're going to see another great match like they did at Money in the Bank. Theory doesn't feel like he's feuding with Bobby Lashley. Ronda Rousey doesn't feel like she's feuding with, with Liv Morgan. The only two feuds that are, the only three feuds that are somewhat interesting is Riddle and Seth Rollins because we know that's going to be a great match, not anything to do with the buildup. Corbin and, and Pat McAfee because Pat McAfee at least took the time to explain that there's some backstory between these two and it's actually been building and progressing from week to week unlike any of the other build-ups and Logan Paul and The Miz because at least it's new. <laughs> like it's That's not... I, I who mean, I don't who have, am I supposed to root for there? Like I have, I have no idea. I have like, no idea. If you if you go by the raw audience last night, it's probably the Miz. That's what I'm thinking. Like you knew this was the plan, right? You set this whole feud up at WrestleMania when the Miz gave Logan Paul a skull crushing finale. You watched that crowd reaction that Logan Paul got. He had them eating out of his hands in the best way possible. Just nuclear white hot heat. He's one of these guys that the fans love to hate so much. So they cheered the effing Miz when they gave, when he gave him a skull crushing finale, you knew that and you knew you wanted to do this match coming up at SummerSlam. Yet here we are 11 days out and the Miz is still a heel. I ask you why, why didn't you turn him baby face months ago, at least weeks ago? Like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm watching that main event segment and I'm watching the promo exchange and I'm like, I don't know who I'm, who's the good guy here, who's the bad guy here, and what the hell are we doing with Tommaso Ciampa? Like, why is Ciampa just Miz's, like, hired crony? Like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that they're doing with Ciampa or anything. Like, if this had turned into a tag match with AJ Styles and Ciampa being involved with that, okay, that might make a little bit What are we doing with AJ Styles? Because he's been wrestling Theory the last couple of weeks, plus you got Dolph Ziggler in Theory, plus you got Theory and Bobby Lashley. So you got Theory feuding with like eight different people. It, it, everything is all over the place. Right no, like last last week, AJ Styles was in a tag team match against Ciampa and Miz, and then this week... I guess he forgot about that feud, even though the match ended by disqualification with Ciampa attacking him. He just forgot about that feud and started paying attention to theory. Like, they revert course. I guess Logan Paul is controlling a lot of the stuff that he's doing. That's why he thinks he should be a babyface. That's why I guess he was the one that said, no, I want a singles match with The Miz and not a tag team match. I think WWE probably wanted to do the tag team match because it seemed like that's the best way to get over Logan Paul is have at least have him associated with a baby face so he can get the rub of baby face from from AJ Styles but they're not even doing that anymore they really are going ahead with Logan Paul and the Miz and I'm sorry I don't care how people feel I know you're a big Edge fan and I was a big Edge fan but Edge coming back to do Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Judgment Day. Judgment Day is it's it's done. It's the as as our good friend Dutch Mantel would say, they are DOA. They are dead on arrival. It didn't matter that Finn Balor and Damian Priest have gotten victories over Rey Mysterio in the last two weeks. This group is dead because they legitimately are just the only thing that gets them slightly over is them attacking edge a month ago and now they're just gonna have edge come back a month later and with this whole new gimmick and whole new vignettes i'm digging the vignettes they're cool great but it's not gonna do much for judgment day judgment day if oh. they go into SummerSlam and they lose to Rey mysterio and edge this is done this you you have exactly. totally wiped out this whole this whole angle in in a month or so. It's crazy. Yeah, and man, injuries have really torpedoed this card, and they obviously torpedoed a lot. What was going on with Judgment Day? You the second and and Queen writing in here. She says uh, she hopes Edge wins. Just kill the group, bring Rhea back, and never mention she was in that group again. And I know there are people who feel that way. I do think that this group with Balor and and Priest and Rhea can work, but for that to happen, they gotta you gotta get Rhea back and healthy. Obviously, she's not ready to go. Otherwise, I think she would be on this SummerSlam card. Um, and they have to win. They have to beat Edge. You have Rey Mysterio, who yes, next week is his twenty years in WWE, and Dominic is probably gonna turn heel finally on him because it seems like they have been just pushing that to the back burner uh, until a moment that they can kind of create with that. But this whole judgment day wanting Dominic Mysterio thing. I'm like, why, why do you want Dominic Mysterio? Who I'm sorry. After two years now looks like an apple that fell way far off the tree. He's not getting any better. 
He's not. I don't think he's any better right now than he was when he faced Seth Rollins. I think he peaked in his first match ever with Seth Rollins, if I'm completely honest. He's just not improving. And at this point, I have no, I have, I have no wantingness to watch Dominic Mysterio on my television screen. I just don't care about him. And I, I hope that he gets better. I hope that changes. I hope maybe maybe a heel turn can can alter that. But why does Judgment Day want him so damn bad? I don't understand. That just seems beneath Judgment Day. But again, without Edge, maybe it's not. And maybe you're right. Maybe this is DOA. They're just going to bring Edge back to, to beat them and then call it a day and whatever the hell is going to happen. Because remember, Rhea was the initial plan at Money in the Bank. And Dave Meltzer reported that Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair was the plan at SummerSlam. That is now happening. Means Rhea was going to lose at Money in the Bank on her first major title. Rhea Ripley still should be the woman who takes the title off of Bianca Belair. Maybe it'll happen after SummerSlam. I don't know. But here's the question for you, SP3. With all of this jumbled mess and all of this jargon and the fact that Again, as I mentioned, injuries torpedoed this card. And frankly, WWE just did a poor job of working around that. And I, I believe that that's you can boil down this SummerSlam build to that in a microcosm. Injuries torpedoed this. They don't have Orton. They don't have Cody Rhodes. They don't have Rhea Ripley. They panicked. They didn't know what the hell to do. So they just went back to their comfort zone. That's why they called in Brock Lesnar. That's why they're doing, you know, Becky Lynch and, and Bianca again. So it's like. At least they did something fresh with Liv Morgan winning the SmackDown Women's Championship, but now I'm worried they're just going to put the belt right back on Ronda, and that's going to mean nothing in the long run. So you look at the eight matches we have right now, four are rematches. The two new ones, we got celebrities involved. Is it too late to change anything? Can something be done to to jack up this card ahead of SummerSlam and, and build some intrigue and build some excitement and throw something new out there? There anything you can think off the top of your head? I, I told you the thing they're gonna add. They're gonna add Edge's return. Edge's return versus Judgment Day in some way, whether it's Edge and Ray versus Damian and Finn, whether it's them versus Dominic along with them, or Ray versus Dominic. It's something involving that angle that they're gonna uh, probably add on this MSG Go Home show. As far as on the SmackDown side, I don't see anything in the running. SmackDown has two matches on this show, and one of them involves Pat McAfee and, and Happy Corbin. Everything else seems to, and the other is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, who both of them have barely been on the the, the damn television show, like and live and live in, in Ronda, and they they barely interacted with each other on the television show. So yeah. it's 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 barely bones at this point i don't see anything that would get me more interested in the SummerSlam card at this point and i'm not and this is not me saying like i will say this to compare you know i, I don't like comparing the two but i will compare this to aew who were hit with injuries and it affected forbidden door i thought the build up to forbidden door was probably the worst build up for any aew pay-per-view but the pay-per-view itself delivered so I'm hoping that despite me not being interested in SummerSlam, that the performers can overcome that when it's showtime on July 30th, and it's a great show. So I hope we can get that, but 
I don't have the biggest, the biggest, uh, you know, optimism here. Oh, Hypnosis Bro did bring up two good ones with Gunther and Shinsuke Nakamura. Even yep. though that feels like a TV program, it doesn't. They never put the Intercontinental Title on a pay per view. And Sheamus and Drew should have been made for SummerSlam weeks ago, after they didn't give us give us it when Sheamus got COVID on national TV. They should have just said, "We're gonna give you that match at SummerSlam," but no. We they're probably gonna wait till maybe Friday afternoon before SmackDown airs, and they're gonna tell us, "Oh, we're adding that to uh, to SummerSlam too." Gonna juice up the guard, guys. Don't worry. We'll add Sheamus and Drew, a match we've seen four thousand times, and we'll only get a fraction of the minutes that it's got previously at SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, I would be stunned at this point if Gunther and Nakamura is added to the pay per view card. Because again, the Intercontinental Championship hasn't been on pay per view since WrestleMania 37. Um, but it's an option. I would love to see Gunther get a, a shot at SummerSlam. And I think he could have a really good match with Shinsuke Nakamura. McIntyre and Sheamus seems to be a, a no duh. You yeah, maybe they put him in a cage match with Sheamus constantly ducking and running. I don't know if they do some kind of stipulation there, but adding any kind of intrigue, I, I don't see it into the buildup. I think. We're going to go into this with low expectations, much like a lot of WWE's pay-per-views, because getting from point A to point B is not their strong suit. But I am optimistic that this card is 100% going to deliver. I think McAfee and Corbin has uh, is going to be a low-key banger. Obviously, Riddle and Rollins, uh, even though I agree with you uh, that they could be doing more with this build, that match is going to be absolutely fantastic. We know the Usos and the Profits can go. Uh, who knows what Jeff Jarrett adds to the mix or why he was chosen or how that makes any kind of sense uh, from a storyline standpoint. And I do believe that that Roman and Brock uh, have kind of this. This is kind of a redemption for them because I don't think that their WrestleMania match was was all that spectacular. So I think this is kind of a, a reprieve uh, for them, a, another shot, and I think it, it'll come through, and there's going to be more matches we'll talk about here when we get into the five count. I think this will deliver as a good show, and it is still SummerSlam. We're going to get some surprises, uh, I would imagine. We'll talk about that more coming up here, but enough complaining. Let's talk about some good news, shall we? Fightful Select reporting today that man himself, former AEW world champion, Kenny Omega, nearing a return to action in AEW after being out for quite some time now with a myriad of, of issues and surgeries and everything like that. Um, no definitive date yet, uh, but all eyes appear to be all out September. Possible six-man tag team match mixing in there with the Young Bucks, which may be why we aren't going to be getting Young Bucks and FTR for the AEW World Tag Team titles like we thought, and they decided to make the switch over to Swerve and, and, and Keith Lee. I know this news today, SP3, brought a big old smile to your face. This is what I've been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's it. AEW has been hit hard with this injury bug, but the two people, the three people I want to see return the most is Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega has been gone since I saw his last match in AEW before he went out to recover from all the injuries at Full Gear 2021, one of the best matches of last year with Hangman Adam Page in the main event where Hangman Adam Page won the AEW World Championship. Just 
think about all the classic matches he had last year when he was at what 60 65 percent 50 percent most of the time having vertigo as he's out here having five-star classics with brian danielson with ray phoenix with pack and orange cassidy with rich swan with sammy callahan for for aew impact wrestling and triple a i'm so happy that kenny omega is coming back i very interested to see who they are going up against because with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly out, it's not going to be the undisputed elite that's going to be in this six-man tag unless they are coming back very soon. But that's not what I've heard about both Cole and in Kyle O'Reilly. We do have two months until we get to All Out, but I still am wary about that. So I'm very interested to see who Omega and the Bucks face. But this is very exciting times. The OG elite seems to be coming together because you got the whole storyline going on with Hangman Adam Page kind of inching his way back to his friendship with the Young Bucks. You got Kenny Omega on his way back. All we need is Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to return, and that just adds so many different layers of I think it's going to be a great storyline to end off 2022. Very interested in Kenny Omega coming back, and I'm very happy that the cleaner, the best bout machine, is returning back to all elite wrestling. Yeah, um, I know Dr. Baker uh kind of gave an update on Adam Cole saying that he is progressing, he is getting better, but that is by no means saying, Hey, look, he's gonna be back next week. Uh, you know, he did suffer a very serious concussion, he's also dealing with the labrum injury. I would be I'd like to be optimistic that we get that, you know, elite undisputed elite match of six man tag team match. I think a great substitution could be something like, you know, Omega and the young bucks versus house of black for those, uh, for the inaugural trios championship. I think something like that, uh, would be a nice little consolation prize, but yeah, Kenny Omega has been sorely, sorely missed as queen says, I miss Kenny. Can't wait to see him back. Um, like you said, man, this, this is a guy who was, in the prime of his career, putting on incredible, absolutely jaw-dropping, incredibly great matches. And this guy could barely move. He was so busted up. Shoulder injuries, knee problems, back problems, you name it, it was hurting on the man. And he's doing shit like exploding barbed wire death matches with John Moxley. Like, it's insane. That kind of mentality is nuts to me, how he was able to, to do that. Hell, just walking to the ring with like his eight championships around him. And that's like 60 extra pounds. That had to be a pain in the ass, right? Like, this is good news. It, it's it's nice to see a target date because we hadn't even had that for, for the longest time. So even if this doesn't happen at all out, just the fact that we know that there are plans being made for Kenny Omega, just the fact that we know we can now see the sun coming up over the horizon from the ominous clouds ahead of us. We can now see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is good news for any Omega fans, for AEW fans, for wrestling fans, period. It sucks that he had to miss Forbidden Door. Can't wait that he uh, can't wait for him to come back and uh, see him on my uh, television screen. Oh, I just came up with it because when you said House of Black, I was like, man, they got too much going on right now. They got they got Darby and Sting. They got Miro. Perfect, perfect substitution. If Brian Danielson is on his way back. Blackpool yep. Combat Club versus the Elite. Willie Uta, Claudio, and Brian Danielson versus Omega and the Bucks. Book it. Book it right now. Give me that at, at all. Co-main events because hopefully it's going to be Punk and Moxley in the main event at All Out. Well, it's, and- not, 
it also sounds like Punk is on his way back, which he, that would be the that's the main event that they need, and it's totally understandable with Kenny Omega coming back. If CM Punk is able to come back at all out, why they saved FTR and the Young Bucks? They was like, you know what, we we could do that, but that's blowing our load too early here. We <laughs> waited eighteen months between the first and the second match between FTR and the Young Bucks. Let's make them wait a little bit. Appreciate all you guys who are chiming in and uh, tuning in for our, our first live one. And God knows, I, I don't know how long. Uh, hopefully we can continue to do these every Tuesday at uh, 2.15. By the way, if you haven't been on the channel in a while, I had an interview that dropped with uh, Renee Paquette. When did I drop that? Uh, yesterday i think i dropped that yesterday morning uh that came out yesterday morning uh just a fantastic uh hour-long chat with renee just talk just shooting the shit talking shop everything as far as uh starcast five and and getting the, the the talking smack reunion pulling the curtain back on talking smack and wwe backstage uh, just a great conversation if you hadn't had a chance to check that out go on and do that right now uh well after we're done anyway it's a it's up there in the interview section coming tomorrow to the interview section will be my chat with AEW's Athena, which was just look, I, I could tell you all the stuff we talked about, but just trust me, it was fun as fuck. Just absolutely, she's one of my favorite people to talk to on this planet. You guys aren't going to want to miss that. Oh, and by the way, uh, speaking of SummerSlam next week, I'll have an interview dropping with everybody's favorite person. Everybody loves him, some happy Corbin, right? Everybody loves happy Corbin his match with pat mcafee who people actually like so we'll we'll dive into all of that and hell i may just spend 15 minutes talking to him about barbecue like seriously i just i just might say screw SummerSlam and just dive into it but let's get back into SummerSlam right now shall we it's time to answer the five count on the believe podcast network all right, SP3, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. I do want to uh, have you expound upon that a little bit. Uh, a little bit pessimistic about this because, again, if you look at the eight matches that are set up, we have half the card at SummerSlam that is a rematch at this point, something that we have seen uh, before. Obviously, Roman and Brock, Lashley and Theory we just saw a month ago. Usos and Street Profits, same thing. And Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair have been feuding for the better part of a year now. And this should be their culmination at SummerSlam. Can you look past the drag, the stigma of another rematch, knowing that Bianca and Becky, should they get the time, let's ignore that for one second, please, are going to absolutely kill it. Can you look past that, knowing that these two work so well with one another and just enjoy the ride here? <laughs> Um, it, it's gonna be tough to outdo what they did at WrestleMania. That was the right setting, the right time, and it felt that that could have been the thing that match because of the quality of it. Uh, could have been the thing that got Bianca Belair back to where she was when she made her entrance last year at SummerSlam, and it didn't. We've seen now three months later, it didn't get Bianca Belair back to where she was. Becky Lynch has still been the focus of the show. So I'm, I'm really convinced because I was saying this to you. I said it to everybody before WrestleMania. The result to get Becky by Bianca Belair back to where she was is her beating Becky Lynch in a shorter amount of time than Becky beat her at SummerSlam. So if it's just going to be another great match, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I'm going to enjoy the match. Yes, 
but it's the what we're going to be talking about three months down the road when Bianca Belair loses loses the Raw Women's Championship. I'm just going to be like, it was good. It was a good reign, but it wasn't better than her SmackDown Women's Championship reign that Becky Lynch's return overshadowed, and it, he she hasn't been the same since. Bianca Belair is so snake bit when it comes to championship runs at this point, not because of her. She's been great. And she's had so many feuds and so many matches that have been either cut or altered due to injury. I mean, she's had matches with Bailey, with Sasha, and now Rhea Ripley that have just been completely thrown for a loop and not happened and have to been replaced. And, and sadly, it's Carmella who has to bite the bullet uh, a lot of the times when she gets brought in. I I feel bad for Carmella, by the way, last night because Bianca got her ass whooped by Carmella and Becky at the start of that match, a match that Carmella only needed to win by countout to take the Raw Women's Championship. I, for like a half a second, thought they were going to do something bold and something different and something to kind of shake things up. For like a half second, I'm like, are they about to do this? Like, are they about to screw Bianca out of the title to set up the triple threat match at SummerSlam? Obviously, they didn't go that way. But, like, what can you do with Carmella now that she lost that match clean as a sheet after Bianca was basically a wounded animal at this point? So that, to me, tells me they don't have any plans to do anything with Carmella of any substance anytime soon. So it's just status quo for her, unfortunately. But... I mean, I look at this match and I'm going, what else was the logical point if if Rhea's not ready to go? Could have done something with Alexa. We'll talk about that. Asuka already kind of did that. They did the triple threat match. It was great. Asuka was the one that ate the pin and it was off of Becky's work. So it's clearly that they've been setting this up. I don't agree with you necessarily that Bianca hasn't gotten back to where she is. I think she's she's great. She's doing just fine as... I think she needs this win. I think she but needs. This she win was the focus of the SmackDown Women's Division, but when she and when she's making her entrance down to Summer at SummerSlam last year, she was the number one star in the Women's Division, and she hasn't been since Becky Lynch made her return. And yeah. she hasn't even been number two in WWE's eyes. Ronda Rousey is 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 bigger on their totem pole than her. Charlotte Flair a lot of the time. And she was ahead of Charlotte at the time yeah. she made her entrance at SummerSlam. She has been knocked down a couple of pays. And people can say, oh, you needed her to get knocked down to, to build up the story. WWE don't know how to build up baby faces. They don't know how to do that. The baby face needs to have a dominant run. And she really hasn't done that this time after winning the title at WrestleMania. So I'm convinced the only way to get her back is her beating Becky in the short amount of time. It helps Becky's story with her downward spiral and it, it makes an effort to get Bianca back. Part of me is wondering here because, and again, you know, I, I, I tend to overlook a, a lot of different things, but I have been noticing you know, Becky being more active on social media. She's getting back to doing some of her pun work. She's getting back to being uh, more of a comedy style with her, uh, you know, her cocky com comedic, comedic self uh, that we saw a little bit with the man. We're starting to see a little bit more of that on social media, a little bit more of that on television. I'm wondering if they ain't going to try to pull a double turn here at, at SummerSlam, knowing that 
they aren't featuring Bianca as a top star because you're absolutely right. She has not been the focus. And I think, call me old school, I think your world champion should be the number one focus at the time. At least WWE has done a good job of making Liv Morgan the focus on SmackDown for the two episodes that she's been there. That's not saying a whole lot because Ronda Rousey wasn't even there for one of them. Um, But yeah, man, like... I could see them trying to do something there and having Becky win the title at SummerSlam, or maybe there's another surprise they have involved because we hear the reports that Bailey's coming back. So maybe they decide to do something where Bianca does beat Becky in under 26 seconds and then calls out another challenger. And then here comes Bailey. They might be able to do something like that. So let's move on to number two here. You've talked about it. You said this is something that should happen. Do you think it does happen at SummerSlam? Over or under 26 seconds for Bianca and Becky at SummerSlam in 11 days here? No, because I'm convinced WWE doesn't do the smart things. They're going to make it over. She's going to, it's going to be a long match. It's going to be a great match. Don't get me wrong. I keep saying that. It's going to be a great match because they had good matches. They had a classic at WrestleMania. And I think this is the type of stage they could have another great matchup. I don't think it's going to be as good as WrestleMania, but I think it's going to be another great match. They had a great triple threat at uh at Helena at Helena Cell as well. So, I think it will be a great match, but unfortunately, it's going to be over 26 seconds. I think it's going to be over 26 seconds and if unless they're going to pull some kind of an angle where Bailey comes in and do exactly what they did last year but with Bailey instead of Becky, right? Um Unless they do that, man, this is one of the matches that I'm like actually looking forward to on the card. I would hate to drive five hours to Nashville and have like the number one, number two match that I'm looking forward to watching be less than 26 seconds. As a fan, I would be pissed, even though, yes, from a storyline standpoint, that that's the finish, right? That's that's the culmination. That's what needs to happen for Bianca to finally put this over herself even though she already beat Becky Lynch at WrestleMania clean as a sheet in you know, front of however many thousand fans uh, were there in Dallas. But I think it's going to end up being over. A lot of fans were pissed off about the other women's segment last night. We had a six-woman tag team match that saw five title changes in this tag team match, even though they typically don't have the 24-7 title rules in effect during a match, whatever. Five different women held the 24-7 championship last night. One of them was Alexa Bliss. People got real mad about that SP3. Should fans be upset that Alexa Bliss won and then lost the 24-7 championship on Raw last night? No, not really. I mean, I wish that they would have done what they did with Asuka. You see, Asuka didn't even get involved in that whole mess. She just she just stood her way out of it and waited till the whole 24-7 mess was out the way and then came in and got the victory in the actual matchup that was supposed to be going on. I wish Alexa Bliss would have stayed herself out of that and not have her first title win in two years be the 24-7 championship. So I understand if her fans are a little bit upset but should they be upset no i'm i'm more sad than i am upset like to be completely honest with you like you want to talk about it's really irritating for me right to to hear all the reports about wwe not knowing what to do with the women's tag team titles 
and then they have six women in a meaningless tag team match last night and are just building the the 24-7 title division around them. The fact that Alexa Bliss has been on Raw back since just after WrestleMania, and they have literally not given her a story. Nothing. She's had no story. She's had no arc. She's barely had any promos. We haven't had an Alexa's playground. We have not had shit from Alexa Bliss. They don't give a fuck about Alexa Bliss, and that's what's irritating to me, is you could actually be building some stuff up on this card that people would get behind. You could actually build, start building your tag team division. You can't tell me, oh, we don't know what to do with the, with the women's tag team titles. When you have Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Nikki A.S.H., and Dewdrop just farting in the breeze every Monday night doing absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing. You can't tell me that. And that's where I'm getting, and that's where I get pissed off is this, is yes, Alexa Bliss should be above the 24-7 title picture. She absolutely should, but she's not. And it's, it's insane to me that you have somebody of the caliber and the talent of Alexa Bliss and you're not doing anything with her. Nothing. No secondary storylines. Zip, zada, zilch. It's infuriating. So, yeah, I was a little pissed off when she won the 24-7 championship and then just sat there and got rolled up. And then, yeah, hey, cool, her team won the match. Awesome. SP3, what the hell was up with putting Titus O'Neil out there at the start of the show last night? What, 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 what the hell was that all about? I mean, my good friend, Jimmy McRim, I do an AEW review with him over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. He said it, he said it perfectly, what I was thinking. It's like if, uh, you know, uh, something happens to, you know, a black person with the police, they put up their black employee out there and they'd be like, you know, you know, even though what happened to Marcus was bad, we are a safe haven in this company. And I think that this was Visick man, uh, playing puppet master. And he had Titus's strings out there. Like we're not here to say politics or religion. We are (laughs) here as a safe haven. And I felt bad for Titus because Titus is such a good guy. He's a lovely bloke. He is great at what he does as an ambassador All his charity work. He has a great big heart, but unfortunately he was out there as the puppet. By the way, I'm seeing some guys say something about the stream possibly not working. As far as we know, it's it's working on our end, although we have noticed that our audience has completely dropped off. So maybe we are suffering some kind of a technical difficulty. Really hope it's not my damn internet. But the fact that I'm still talking to SP3 right now would make me assume that everything is is going okay. So we'll try to... Uh, We'll just soldier on here. We're going to wrap up soon anyway. So uh, we do appreciate everybody who's sticking with us uh, so far. And sorry for any technical difficulties that might be there. That's just been my freaking last couple of weeks here. This was completely weird uh, from Titus O'Neill's part. Um, It just seemed so random. And you could tell, like, you could tell he didn't want (laughs) to be out there. You could tell. Hi. You could tell he didn't want to be there. You could tell he didn't believe a word he was going to be saying. I think the only thing that could have made that worse for Titus last night is if they would have trotted Hulk Hogan out there with him, uh, you know, just to say, hey, everything's great. And, you know, we're, we're, we're moving on. I think this was clearly Vince trying to send a messenger out there and just say, hey, F it. We're all about having fun here. Then they put together a pretty decent first hour and then it just completely fell off a cliff. 
from that. This is getting old. It's getting old. Yeah. It is getting so old so fast. Like, I, I honestly don't know if I would be watching as hardcore as I am if I didn't cover it partially for a living. SP3, we now know who the opponents and partners are going to be for Ric Flair's final match at StarCast 5 in Nashville next weekend. Going to be Rick. Going to be Andrade. Going to be Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal. Excitement level from a scale of 1 to 10 for Ric Flair's final match. And will you watch it? The event is at an 8. This match is at a 5. Um, I, I like how the angle was produced. It looked great. Uh, Conrad Thompson has some great people behind working production, putting these video packages, putting these little specials and documentaries that they've been doing a part of it. And I have all the faith in the world that it's going to be a fantastic show. You got Jacob Fatu versus Josh Alexander. You got Deanna Parasa versus Jordan Grace versus Rachel Ellering for the Impact Knockout Channel. Championship. You got a triple A fatal four way with Bandito, Laredo Kid, Black Taurus, and Ray Phoenix. That's going to be a killer. But Ric Flair in the main event at 73 years old. He, he, I know Andrade is going to be doing most of the work here. I'm, yes. I'm literally, yes. and thank God. Of that. And so thank God. God. Thank God we get a little bit of Andrade versus Jay Lethal, which should be great. But other than that, yeah, the main event, Ric Flair's last match, main event, last match, quote-unquote, five, but the event itself, it's at an eight. I think this actually did boost it up for me from an excitement level. I'll, I'll say maybe from like a two to a three um, because I had no interest in watching Flair wrestle at his age with his health issues. I would just be uncomfortable watching the whole thing the whole damn time. I I'm I'm very happy to see that this was a tag team match that this was made a tag team match. It's very smart. Uh, Flair is dealing with plantar fasciitis right now on top of everything else. So he's going to get in there and he's going to take some bumps and probably lock somebody in a figure four. I wouldn't be surprised if Flair made Jay lethal tap. And that's how this order or Jeff Jarrett busy weekend for Jeff Jarrett. Um, but yeah, man, this doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I think the entire show is is more on the excitement level of probably about a six, seven show for me. Uh, mostly because I'm not as familiar with some people on the card that you are. But yeah, this match, I was very happy to see that they made it a tag team match. I know a lot of people were, like, were disappointed by that, but I'm like, guys, trust me. This is going to be much, much better. Please just let Andrade and Jay Lethal wow the crowd. For 10 minutes, Rick can get his old geriatric ass in there for three to four, pick up the win, call it a career. Fingers crossed. SP3 and I will be back on Thursday morning, 7 a.m. to recap AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest, night two. Tomorrow, excuse me, week two, night three. Tomorrow, early on the morning, you can catch my chat with Athena. That is going to serve as our Wednesday episode this week. Special edition, uh, nice half-hour-long chat with Athena. Really, really fun. Hope you guys enjoy that. Check out my conversation with Renee Paquette as well. At SB3, I know you got stuff going on over at True Heel Heat. Tell the folks about it. 
Uh, check out my interviews with Impact Wrestling's Rosemary. That's up on the channel right now. Later today, I have my interview with Kevin Gill, the voice of GCW. We talk all about Game Changer Wrestling, as well as his journey in professional wrestling, his connections to ECW and Paul Heyman, Rikishi. We talk about it all, so check out that True Hills BTR on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Awesome. Uh, appreciate you guys who are tuning in. Make sure to give us the thumbs up there. Make sure to pound that subscribe button. Really, really helped us out. And uh, yeah, check out my conversation with Athena tomorrow, 7 a.m. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast Live Edition. For SP3, I'm Rick Uccino. We've been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.